WV Uncommonplace. This podcast is a variety podcast that houses numerous series to cover mental health, empowerment, podcast framework, and various intimate theories to get to know the hosts. Along with occasional movies, reviews, and dives in pop culture with our event podcast episodes. The Uncommonplace digs into bringing guests on that stories don't fit the mold and are very different. WV stands for the great state of West Virginia and every quarter we cover something in West Virginia. Stacy and myself JR are your hosts so please come along for this venture to Uncommon Place. Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today, I'm back in the booth, finally recording again with someone. And that someone today, her name is Jessica and her last name's Conley. But Jessica, before you get on the microphone, I need you to do me a favor. Most people, when they think of Conley, they think of C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y, maybe? Conley? They do not think of my way, for sure. So, so how do you spell <laughs> your way? Uh, my way is C-O-N-O-L-E-Y. And the reason it's that way is two brothers lived in the same town and one brother kept getting the other brother's mail. And so he added an extra O. So now I spell my name really weird. Okay. And I like that. That's got a little ring to it now. The most nostalgic question that comes about is who is this person? So today, Jessica, please take the floor. Tell us who you are, why you're here. And then give us a little interesting bit about yourself, because what happens is people get on here and they'll do the who is or who am I? They'll do the who am I? Then they'll slip up and they'll throw their call to action in too early. And when they throw their call to action in, either you people swim or they sink from that CTA. So I always tell people, say something interesting about yourself after you described yourself, told a little bit of your background. And that keeps people enticing them. We get that CTA in there at some point. So go ahead. So I'm a dream enabler. What I do is I live my dream by writing, and then I help people live their dreams by simplifying and de-scaring business for them, teaching them to follow their intuition and giving them tools to really tap into their happiness. And then the type of energy that gives you more energy as opposed to work that may drain you. And I've been doing this part of my career. I started writing seriously when I was 30. So I'm 43 now. And I consider myself a corporate escapee. I started working in corporate offices when I was 15 and left when I was 35. And interesting fact about me is Obviously, I love to read books because I'm a writer, but in 2020, before the pandemic started, I read a book called Practical Intuition by Laura Day, and it was an odd book where it had all these exercises and you would answer questions, but you wouldn't know what question you were answering until you flipped the page. And then on the bottom of the next page, upside down, you would understand what you were answering. And as I worked through that book, I predicted the pandemic and that we would be home for two years. And I've predicted years and years worth of stuff by going through that book. And that's one of the things that led me to double down on my intuition and build the company that I do to help people live their dreams. Okay, I like that. Now, let's go back into your childhood because you didn't mention anything about that. Uh, Intuition. Intuition was something that I got around eight or nine years old. Um, I jumped off my deck. And something told me not to go in the house 
after I jumped off that deck. So I went across the street. I ate a green apple off my neighbor's apple tree. They were supposed to be red apples. I went inside the shed. My intuition told me not to spray paint the shed, but I went otherwise. I spray painted that. So that evening, uh, back in the 90s, early 90s, discipline was discipline out, was set out. So not going on my intuition earlier, or I mean, going on my intuition once and not going on it the second time, I learned what intuition was when I got hit with that bill. I learned that it was a free will. It was a choice that I had to make. So when did you first use intuition in your childhood? I think it was a very strong part of my childhood. Um, so I grew up in the 80s and my parents got divorced when I was somewhere between kindergarten and first grade. So I was six, probably. And I grew up in two different houses and I would switch every Friday. And I would live at one week for one house and one week at the other house. And at those houses, they were very different environments. And what I learned was that the skill set that I needed to make one house successful was not the skill set that would make the other house successful. And so I learned to read the environment and the needs and to adapt to my surroundings as my surroundings changed week after week after week. Okay. Okay. Now, let me ask you this real quick. So you go through life and obviously you were affirmated way before the pandemic. So you knew what you were going to get into. So the pandemic hit and you got some free time. What's the first step that you took during the pandemic to start you on the course that you're doing now? Well, the course being my business, what yeah, I yes, did. Ma'am. Everything over, overall, okay. yes. Okay. Walk us through so, it because of the map of it. <laughs> um, one thing that happened was I'd read that book, so I wanted to double down on my intuition. And I'd written an article, and it was an article about building a support structure for your creativity and that you needed three different types of people to support you. Mentors, accountability, and then critique or, or like – um you know, educational type of support. And as I wrote the article, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I had no idea, but I finished it and I knew it was good and I knew it should go somewhere. And I just had this flash of this name pop into my head and it was Jane Friedman. And in writing world, Jane Friedman writes for writers. She writes about the industry. She's very well respected and she has incredible just credibility and clout in the industry. I had never worked with her before, but that name just popping in And it felt like a flash. It felt like a camera flash. And my immediate thought was, there is no way I can send something to her. I had no contact with her. I mean, I'd followed her on social and things like that, but I didn't know her at all. And before I could talk myself out of it, while I was in the equally like, maybe I can, I'm so scared moment, I just hit send. Before I could think about it, before I could do anything, I just took action on it immediately. And when I hit send, I was like, holy crap, I can't believe I just did that. Where did that even pop into my head to send to what I felt was out of my league at that point in time? And then it was the same day she wrote back and said, it's a great article, I'd love to publish it. And it was that flash, it was that that flash moment of energy just popping into my head and that like jolt of like, ooh, I'm scared, but I'm excited and that combination of everything. And I thought that's the energy I wanna follow for my whole career. I wanna see where that energy takes me 
because I think it's going to take me farther than I can imagine on my own. And so chasing that type of flash and that type of energy is what has propelled my career, my business. Okay. I like that. Now you have many facets to you. You're an author, you're a life coach, you have so many titles. So what is the favorite title that you have? Because like, for instance, for me, I'm a podcaster. I collect things. I'm a projector um, enthusiast. So I like people to know that I'm a projector enthusiast. So I like to watch a lot of cinema, you know, on the go, wherever. So what title do you like the most, Jessica? Writer is the one that I've owned the most and that I feel explains a lot about me. And the reason I do is... I'd grown up and I felt like I was weird my entire life. I didn't quite fit in. Like I, I, I was involved in music. I, that was my first job was teaching piano lessons and I, I had friends, but like I, I'd go to new situations and I just felt always kind of out of place. And then when I was 30, I um, started exploring different job opportunities. And that's when I started to get into writing as the idea of a career. And I went to my first writers group And as I sat in that writer's group, I thought, oh, I'm not weird. I'm a writer. I just I just didn't know what I was all this time. And I I really connected with the way that writers observe the world and that we take our time to process it and then we kind of are able to put our own filter on it. And it wasn't until I was sitting in a group of, of established writers and hearing how they talked and what they did and just experiencing that where I was like, I'm not weird. I'm I'm just a writer and I didn't know it all along. Okay. I like that. Because that way you came into your own and writing is, a, is an amazing expression. So let me ask you this. When did coaching become something that was you know, embodied in you. When did that happen? Because I always wanted to help people, but I, I didn't feel like I had the authority to be a coach. Coaching, I fell into the title for sure. Like that, I just stumbled into out of the clear blue. My first job when I was 14 was actually teaching um, basic music theory at a piano store. So I was that was my first job. And I'd always been working with creatives in the sense of music and things like that. And so I think I was just acclimated to that from a young age. Um, How I got into coaching was completely accidental in the sense that I, I was writing and I was offered up an opportunity to be a mentor on a Twitter contest. And at that point in time, Twitter was kind of the water cooler where where writers would hang out and where you would meet other writers and find support system. And so in this contest, people would apply to work with me and I could choose one and provide them an edit. And I read through the submissions and there were good people to choose from, but I realized it didn't matter how good of an edit I provided them. The real issue with making it long-term in a creative industry are the mindset hurdles in the community that we surround ourselves with. And I know that if you're doing it solo, you're going to drop out a lot more easily than you would if you have the support system. And so as I was finishing up the, the, acceptance period for the writers, what I realized was, oh, if they can do this as a group, they're going to have a lot better chance to succeed. So I reached out to the top three candidates and said, will you let me run an experiment with you guys? I'll give you all edits, but for four months, we're all going to work together. And I'm just going to teach you everything I know about the industry. And we're going to see you know, what happens. And 
I, I did it. It's a purely volunteer thing. And we worked together for four months and I ended up being really good friends with those women. I'm still really good friends with those women. And then they've gone on to get book deals and agents and things like that. And I was like, oh, I'm on to something like this community support angle is different. And I was running an editorial business at the time. And what I realized was there are a billion editors out there, but there were not a lot of people teaching you how to actually survive the mental aspects of the industry. And so so that's when I started looking around for ways that I could further support writers beyond the education of editing. And um, I came across life coaching and I thought, oh, yeah, they're hitting their goals, but they're stressed out and they're not happy. And I want them to be happy as they're living their dreams. So I went through a life coaching program and then I ended up through a positive intelligence program and then I ended up a coach. But that was totally accidental and not what I would have expected. <laughs> But I mean that that's a good way for it to happen. Now yes. doing that other titles you have your you do speaking and obviously you write. Um, how does all that correlate? Like how does the speaking like going to do presentations and things like that, how does that correlate? What I found is speaking, whether it be through a podcast or in person, what it really lets me do is refine my message and it lets me connect with people in a different way than writing does. And before I speak, I, I'm an introvert. So to get up on a stage in front of a lot of people takes energy for me. And I do, I'm a meditator. And so my mantra on the days that I speak are, let me see the people who feel unseen. Because I know that there's someone in that audience who feels like their experience hasn't been validated. And if I can talk only to that person, then I will have succeeded for the day. And so what the speaking does is it lets people put a face to the, like when, when they're reading, they don't have a face to put with it. They don't have my actual voice in their head. But what I do is I'm able to convey a different type of energy when I speak than I do through the written word. And when I can get them all together, what happens is I refine messages and interviews and I figure out what people are worried about when they um, are doing coaching sessions with me. And then that informs my writing is about where the writing needs to go next and where I want to showcase things or dig deeper and how to help people through written articles. Okay. Okay. Now... Moving along, um, one thing that we like to do on here, and it's another nostalgic piece, we call this the shameless plug. And we okay. do this because I told you about the the time frames and how the audience works. <laughs> Could you please tell the audience where they can meet and greet you across the internet or however you want them to meet you? I would love to meet you in a free coaching call. That's where I want to meet you. So if you would like a one hour discovery call, I would love to do that with you. What happens is you just bring an issue that you want to work on, whether it's like a life transition, a creative problem that you're having, happiness, time management, whatever it is. And if you just go to jessicaconnelly.com on the coaching page and scroll to the bottom, there's an option to book a one hour free session with me. And the reason is, like I said, I want to see the people who who I can help. And by you talking to me, it lets me know where I can help people and it lets me go out and inform the work I do in the future. So jessicaconnelly.com is a great place and please take me up on that free coaching session. If you are a creative who's building a creative business and you're transitioning from like, 
I've never shared my work with anybody, but I want to get it out to the world. And you're moving from like that hobbyist to that, you know, intermediate kind of stage. The creativesapprentice.com is my business. And that's where I simplify and de-scary business for you. And um, I also do coaching over there, group classes. And then on social media, Instagram and LinkedIn are the best places to find me um, at Jessica Connolly. All right. And another thing, too, when you're over on that website, definitely go check out her blog. Um, she has numerous events coming up in April, well, May and June now. Mm-hmm. Um, she has two free upcoming events that we'd like you to talk about real quick if you didn't mind. Sure. Um, let me think of which ones I have. So neg- uh, early May at Midcontinent Public Library. So if you're in Kansas City, you can go in person, but it is a virtual event as well. I'm teaching a class on the business of writing and authorship. So that kind of wets your business feet when you're getting into writing. Um, in June, I'm doing a talk on mindset for the Central Indiana, Central Indiana Writers Association that is also over Zoom. And um, I'm feel like I have more coming up, but those are the two I remember off the top of my head. And if you go to my blog, I do post my events there. And I normally do a roundup of events over on the Creatives Apprentice, where every month it says where where you can find me, the price if there is a charge, but a lot of them are free, and then how to register for them. Okay. And thank you very much for that, because we get that stuff out the way. People know where to meet and greet you, and they can get involved, do that one-hour call with you. And you can help them with some insight in life. Now, digging a little bit deeper, we got to get a little bit more, we got to make you a little bit more personable. So what I do is um, I have a news magazine that I pay homage to. And um, that news magazine is 2020. Growing up, John Stossel was a comedian. Diane Sawyer was probably the best interviewer on there. But Barbara Walters gets credit because at 10.50, any Friday night, Barbara Walters could either send me to bed early or she could have me thinking about something, staying up late, or have me challenging my thoughts all the way until Saturday morning. So, mm-hmm. are you ready for your 2020 questions? I'm ready. All right, so so here we go. First question is this. Um, what does success look like to you? Success is freedom with my time to pursue my creativity and the surprise of where it's going to take me next. Hmm. It was almost right, but it was wrong. Because uh, the thing about success, I was going to give you three different categories. I wanted to know what it looked like, what it smelled like, and what the action was like. So what it looks like is actually what my life looks like right now, not too far from it. It looks like sunshine on the carpet with a big, fat, sleeping cat and petting the cat while ideas are running through my head about a story and having no pressure to be somewhere else in complete freedom over what I choose to work on. So that's what it looks like. Okay. What it smells like is this one cup of tea that I have that smells exactly like yellow birthday cake, (laughs) but it's tea So it's got this like earthiness to it, but there's this overwhelming like yellow birthday cake feeling to it. Okay. And then what was the other one? What it tastes like? Yeah. I don't know. What do we do? Smell, look. We can go with taste. That's fine. Yeah. Taste works good. (laughs) Um, 
it tastes like a really light fluffy dessert that just dissolves on your tongue probably a lemon like a lemon wafer of sorts where it just melts in your mouth but it's like light and airy okay okay now on to our next question so everybody has success in different areas and we like to talk about that but the one thing that no one wants to talk about is failure failure to me is just a lesson that i've learned um, so my question to you is, what is your take on failure? What does failure, what is love that it. end result to you? What is that end result? I love it. I love, I don't love the act of being fa- like in failure, but writing world is the continual pursuit of putting your work out again and again and again. And when you're looking to get published by an external source, there is the slush pile and there is rejection. And one of the first things that happened was I joined a writer's group and these were with tenured writers who'd been writing, you know, maybe as long as I'd been alive, they'd been around a long time and they had a reward for 100 rejections because when you had gotten to 100 rejections, it meant you were a real writer. So as I went through the process of sending my work out, um, what I learned was that it's not about my work's quality. It's not about what I can do. What I learned, it was about me believing in my work enough to not give up on it. And if I was willing to give up on my work, why would I think someone else would support my work? If I'm willing to advocate for my work, then of course other people are going to come on board for it. And as you get that 100 rejections award, what happens is your writing gets better and better. And so you quit getting rejected as much. So at the end, it's harder to get the reward because your writing is continually improving, but everybody gets there eventually. And you learn something along the way. And what I've learned is there are things that I've wanted in my career so badly, and I've wanted a different timeline and I've wanted things to happen. But as they evolve, I've always learned something in the meantime that informs the work at the end that makes it better, even if it's delayed. And so failure isn't failure to me. Failure is learning. I totally agree with you. Sometimes failure is a redirect, um, but it's always just a way to push my growth and that's the interesting part. It's like a story when I'm writing it. I always hit a part where I don't know what happens next. And I'm like stuck and I call it writing in the dark and the characters are just clunky and they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And then there's a moment where I get through the dark and I'm like, oh, this is what's happening. And what happens is my creative work has just been training me for my life to get more comfortable with those moments where I'm just living in the dark and I can't see what happens next. And then I get to something and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So I went through a really hard thing, but this is what I learned and this is how it's going to help me level up to the next thing. Okay, okay, and I like that. Now on to the last question. Um, you get to a point where you're about to do your first TED talk. I mean, let's see, you're in Missouri, so let's see. I'm technically in Kansas. I'm on the Kansas side of Kansas City. Oh wow. I thought you were okay. in Missouri. <laughs> you always hear people say I'm in Missouri when I'm in Kansas City or something. Yeah, everybody loves to do yeah, it's a big thing around here. But go on, sorry. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. Sorry about so that. So my TED talk. All right, so you're about to do your TED talk. Um, and you're a writer, so, you know, you're on a script, the beginning, the first, 
let's say just the opening line and whatever you're going to use to, to sync them in. And we'll do this somewhere prestigious. Let's let's go center in the Midwest. We're going to just use Ohio because it's the closest Eastern Midwestern point. Um, you're in at, the, at Ohio State University. You're about to give your TED Talk. First thing we need to know is what your TED Talk's about. And then give us just a little little bit of what you would say. My TED Talk is about living in the unknown. And there's a, our lives are always informed by what we grew up with. And normally what we see are the limitations of where we can go. And what I have learned is that when I get to the edge of comfort, and for me, this happened particularly around that intuition book that I did. Um, When I did that intuition book and I did like years and years worth of predictions, when they first started, the first thing that came, came true that I validated was, it was the day Kansas City shut for the pandemic, and my friends were moving to Montana that day. And I had told them, I don't understand, but I think you get there and there's a case of mistaken identity. And like you move in and you look like someone in town and people don't like you. And I don't know why they don't like you, but they just like you get there and everybody's really mean to you. But then you end up laughing about it and having dinner together later. And they get there and then i text the next day to be like hey did you get there because it's a long drive it's like you know almost 24 hours i think it's a super long drive and my friend texts back and she says i think that mistaken identity thing happened last night and i was like what and so she tells me the story about she they got there really late and they were moving into their apartment and their neighbors thought that they were squatters just like randomly in the apartment and they were calling the cops on him and just all this stuff it was this mistaken identity thing and we went back to what i'd written down in my notes and that was all what happened well as these things kept coming up of what i had predicted I felt very scared because I did not understand the skill set that was coming out of me. And in that not knowing, I was so unsure of myself because I understood how to navigate writing world. I understood how to navigate business world. But this was just like pure imagination, yet it had translated into reality and I didn't understand it. But it's in that unknown space where you really start to learn about yourself and where you start to see possibilities that you had never even imagined. And so living in the unknown is what I would explore in the TED Talk. And I would I would probably use my experiences with that book as the jumping off point. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. Now, the last question, why haven't you done a TED Talk yet? Well, I could give you lots of excuses, but I, so this is 2023, just, I was losing people to illnesses in my family over the past two years. And the, the, the last loss was this January. And so I started building my company in January, 2021, but my mom was dying as that was happening. So I couldn't do the standard business rollout of like, okay. we're going to do a huge launch. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I had to do it very differently than I may have under other circumstances. And I don't regret how I did it. I wanted to spend as much time as I could with my mom and the other people I was losing who were close to me. Um, 
And so just starting in January, well, actually, I probably starting in March, to be honest, because I lost somebody in January and it really derailed me. And so it's just been in the last 60 days where I'm ready to get back to work and to jump into things. And I'm not opposed to doing a TED Talk. And I'm actually pretty confident that's something I am going to do in the future. Um, but I needed to take care of me as I was taking care of other people. And I wanted to spend the time I had with the people who were here while they were here. Okay. And that's respectable. And inside this episode, I want every person that's a content creator or create anything to take that gym right there. Self-care, self-maintenance. Let's go back on one thing. I'm not going to say self-care. I like to say self-maintenance. That self-maintenance that you did there, that's the thing that people need to rise up and do and own and and live inside that. So I thank you very much for that. Now, in closing uh, on this show, um, I do a testimony. So Jessica, here it goes. Um, Fortitude, it is something you have. It is something that's hard to make. It's not always manufactured in the best facets, but you seem to have that with you keep that with you wrap it up and don't let anybody else uh know how you got it or where you where you're taking it um being someone that helps the world that's the hardest thing on earth helping people beyond just spoken word interacting with them you know be it the writing or any facet of your coaching or even someone reading your blog and having a reaction um being someone that can transcribe feelings and emotions for people and help people make decisions, work on that intuition, be intuitive. That is something hard because not everybody has the intuitive juice. Not everybody has that mindset that that can move them to go beyond a linear expression, but you don't have a linear expression. Yours is all over the place from what I gather. And I like that. And I want to tell you, thank you for that. So in closing, your intuition has brought you what it's brought you today and it'll bring you more prosperity in the future and it'll bring you some downtrodden things too because sometimes our intuition is not always at its best so uh the key thing i want you to leave from this episode and i want you to carry on with you um is this simple thing helping people and being responsible with taking care of yourself are two things that not people not a lot of people can do a lot of people can just give give and give you can't take some time to take care of themselves. They keep that glass at halfway and never fill it back up. They don't let it go any lower, but they just keep it in the halfway point. And obviously I can tell you fill your glass back up because you realize that you only get one life. So I want to thank you for that, Jessica Conley. And what I want you to do going forward from this point on is keep doing what you're doing. Don't change who you are for anything. Uh, assimilation is something that we do in certain instances and that happens to all of us. But in your case, you don't have to assimilate. You don't have to conform to anything because you're the best you. And that's what people need to believe in. And that's where the coaching qualities and things where people can definitely head over to your website if you want to plug it real fast. JessicaConnelly.com. And that's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-C-O-N-O-L-E-Y.com. They can go over there and get a wealth of knowledge and, and get a wealth of a person. Being wealthy um, in spirit and in emotions is way more better than having $3 million. We'd love $3 million, but $3 million, sometimes those people are shallow and you don't seem to have a bit of shallowness to you. So please keep doing what you're doing in the world and keep blessing people with your bright smile and who you are. Thank you. And I want to let you know one strange thing. Um, That group of girls, the women who I took on to start my coaching business, I made them pick a name for their group and they called it Fortitude. 
<laughs> that's wild. And that's me not looking at anything that's just coming off the top of my head. So once again, <laughs> Jessica, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia Commonplace. Um, we're going to polarize you in our guest hall of fame, like everyone else. Um, but one last thing that we got to do that makes the show important and, um, takes care of a few things that we have to cross T's and dot I's. I said that right. Yeah. For the first time, um, I need you to let the world know who and why they get a thank you from you. Because in my life, it was my mother. My father died early on, so I didn't. Ha- I only had him for eight years, so I, I got some things from him. But my mom built all this, you know. So, who built you up, or whom built you up to who you are today? It's just a sum of everybody you meet, but I will say my grandparents on all sides, both my mother's and my father's grandparents are the initial storytellers. And I take their stories very deeply and um, hearing their stories gave me that fortitude and knowing where they came from and what they went through gives me the strength to keep going. Okay. And I want to thank you very much for that. And I want to thank you for sharing your story with us on here today. And I know your story is going to resonate with a lot of people and and just thank you for being who you are. But on that note, I am JR and this is West Virginia Commonplace and I'm signing off. Bye everybody. Please follow WV Uncommonplace on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, TikTok, where we have some great content, Facebook, LinkedIn, hit up the merch store at onecommonplace.square.site. Join the email list from the website, and rate, subscribe, and give feedback from your favorite podcatcher. And lastly thanks for listening and tune into the next episode.